A man must be big enough to admit his mistakes, smart enough to profit from them, and strong enough to correct them. This is a quote from John Maxwell, and in today's episode, we're going to dig a little bit more into that quote. Running a home service business is hard. So how is it that some people make it look so easy? Well, we'll tell you. This is the Freedom Blueprint Podcast. It's always good to hear the wins that successful contractors have. But have you ever thought that the best advice would be to hear about the speed bumps they encountered? The mistakes they've made along the way. We're going to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. We want you to be successful and avoid the mistakes others have made. Let's get this party started. Welcome to the Freedom Blueprint Podcast. Now your host, Justin Dees. This is a pretty cool topic. Like I read before, the saying and the quote from John Maxwell is pretty amazing. And I wanted to dig into it a little bit more. So what we're going to talk about today is about blind spots. And really, blind spots are one of those things where they can be a huge deal. They can be the difference between success and failure. Um, you know, from a leadership standpoint, depending on what your blind spots are, can really hinder whatever growth you you want. So, so let's talk about the definition of blind spot. So blind spots are personal traits or aspects we demonstrate but aren't aware of. When they appear as a weakness, they can limit the way we act, react, behave, or believe, and therefore limit our effectiveness. Now, I would like to start out with a story. And this is a personal story. This is something that just happened to me a couple of weeks ago. And and honestly, this started all the... uh, This really started this episode. This was kind of... I started taking some notes and thinking about how does how does this happen? How how as a business owner does this happen? So let me tell you the story. We have a boat that lives in the water. And when you have a boat that lives in the water, every couple of years, you have to paint the bottom, right? All the stuff sticks to it and the oysters. And so anyway, so we were getting to the point where the boat, the guy who comes and scrapes the bottom of the boat said, hey, listen, uh, can't scrape it anymore. You got to go paint it. Great. So find somebody to paint a boat, which we live on the beautiful Gulf of Mexico. So there's plenty of people to do that kind of work. So we take it there and schedule it. And they he does all the work and I go to pick it up. And I'm standing there with the guy and we're talking about, you know, the boat. And I'm interested in his business. And, you know, there's this giant boat yard. And what does he, you know, does he, what does he do? Right. And he goes through it and he starts telling me this story about how he hates painting the bottom of boats. I was like, okay, well, isn't that your business? He said, no, I don't make any money whatsoever painting the bottom of the boats. I said, that's interesting. What is it that you make money doing in your business? And he said, well, really where I make most of my money is when I do fiberglass repair and when I do detailing of boats. That's when I make the most money. I said, okay, well, just, and at this point, I'm, I'm almost standing there going, are you kidding me? So, Something interesting, when I first took it, I have a nick on the side of the boat from where it hit the dock from the waves, not from my lack of ability to drive the boat, but my my wife might disagree with that. But so I'm standing there thinking there's a, there's a spot in the boat, which by the way, we're standing by. So I'm looking at it at this point that he never mentioned Two, he just painted the bottom of the boat. So clearly that's a dirty, messy 
job, why would he not have offered that as a service, especially if that's where he makes the most money? And I said, hey, man, I know it's a little late now, but gosh, I have this spot right here on the side of the boat that would have been fantastic to have fixed while you were here. And the boat needs to be detailed. And now that between the sanding and the whatever and the painting and the, you know, the, the inside could definitely use detailing, man. I wish you would have offered that to me when I brought you the boat. And then this would have been great. You'd have made more money. I'd have been happier as a customer. I'd have had a complete done for me products. So and now I got to go find another person. And it is as if he never thought about it, never thought about it. And it got me thinking, how often in our businesses do we do the same thing? And, and, and here's the thing. It's easy to say that technician or that team member. But the truth is we do it as well. And, and this guy owned this company. And it was not a big company. I think he had, I don't think he said three or four guys. Uh, so they're not a very big company. But of a company that size, he typically deals with all the owners. So you would think that he would be. Um, more inclined to offer additional services, but listen, the guy probably got in his own way. So, so that's what kind of started this journey of talking about this and kind of going a little bit deeper on how, how does this happen and what causes this? So, so that's really the journey and the story that started the, the idea behind this podcast of the, of the blind spot. So, so I started looking and I found a pretty good book and it's called leadership blind spots and it's by Robert Shaw. Now, I found this book on Audible. I swear there was no reviews. Uh, it's a very good book. If you're if you're looking for a book to read, this is a this is a pretty good this is a pretty good read. It's been out for a couple of years, but the, but he goes into telling some stories. And what was interesting is he goes into sell, telling a few stories about Steve Jobs and Henry Ford and Jamie Dimon. I think I'm pronouncing his Dimon. Anyways, that that guy was the CEO of Chase during the whole collapse and what he did and didn't do. And anyways, it's a really good book. And so what the book really kind of highlighted to me was that everyone has blind spots. I mean, even as you think of these titans in the industry, you know, Steve Jobs and Henry Ford and, you know, these Rockefeller, these guys, they have blind spots and, and it's, it's okay to have them, but it's kind of like anything else in, in the world. You, you've got to be strong enough and smart enough and humble enough to be okay with identifying, seeing, admitting, and then going after it. Probably a good point. Let's do this. Let's talk about what causes them. Like, what are some things that can cause blind spots? Here's a big one. Having that I know attitude. We use the word uncoachable. And, and I say that that's not a, uh, that's not just a business coach. I mean, sports coaches, they, they say the same thing. You even hear it. Um, on ESPN, sometimes they'll talk about people not being coachable. They're uncoachable. And if you're uncoachable, then you, you've got blind spots all over you. I can, I can promise you. Another one is blaming other for your circumstance. So basically playing the victim, like just not taking responsibility. And as we, as we talk about this topic, I mean, we're talking about it really from a, from a leadership standpoint, which guess what? It's all your responsibility. Hope, hope that doesn't hurt, but, it, but it's true. If you're the leader of your organization, your, your job may not be to do that one thing, but as the leader, you're responsible for all of it. So just, you have to own it. You can't play the victim. You can't, you know, you can't, you just can't play that. It's not the circumstances. Own it, own it, own it, be proactive. Don't be reactive. So there's another one. 
avoiding difficult conversations. So this is one that I see often. And listen, difficult conversations are, well, they're difficult, right? They're difficult because if you say the wrong word, if you use the wrong tone, it can totally shift how you, um, how, how that conversation happens, but stop being scared of it. And it, from my experience, I don't, now I don't have a, I don't have a hard time with difficult conversations anymore. Uh, I used to, but I think the less that I am aggressive and the more I always go from a mindset of care, it just becomes easier to have those. So they're not as difficult. Uh, I can give some example. I'll give an example. So let's say you have a technician that's, that's always late, just constant five minutes, 10 minutes, nothing, no 30 minutes, no, no call, no show, just five minutes, 10 minutes late. And he comes in, he's not looking his best and sharpest. Most people would go, what is wrong with you? Can't you get here on time? Right. The, the way I would handle that is I would go to it and say, Hey, listen, man, I, I've noticed you've been late. Give specifics these 17 times in the last 30 days. Um, what's going on? What, what can I, is there anything I can do to help you? You, you never know. Right. And I think when you, when you go, when you think about difficult conversations and you shift them to human to human conversations, I think it, it eliminates that a little bit. So that anyways, that's one of them. Next is being insensitive to your behavior around others. Like just, just being aware of how you show up, right? So, you know, when you, if you walk in the building and you're in a good mood or you walk in the building and you're not in a good mood, it, it is apparent to everyone around you. It may not be apparent to you and you may think, hey, I'm keeping this thing in. Uh, I'm, I got some problems going on somewhere else in a different department and I'm coming into work and I'm showing up and I'm on time and I'm, I'm ready to crush it and here I am. But the truth is, you, you've, you've got you've to recognize how your behavior is affecting your team and how you're showing up. Another one is going to be going at it alone. See this a lot as well. I think I'm going to say that a lot in this episode. But you got to be okay with not being afraid to ask for help. You have an entire team around you, especially from a leadership standpoint. And it's, it's easy to kind of take things on and you're like, I'm going to grasp this thing and I'm going to run with it. And this is going to be mine. And I'm not giving it to anybody because I'm going to manage it all the way through. And the truth is, man, just be good at what you're good at and, and don't, don't spend a lot of time trying to put a square peg in a round hole. So if you need for, if you need help for any reason, you have to ask, you have an entire, there's a good chance if you're listening to this you have a team of people to help you. If there is something you're, go you're going through or going to or something you're working on, there is resources everywhere. And I'm talking everywhere, whether it be your team members, your friends, your family. Um, there's every kind of, I don't know, Upworks, if it's a task you're trying to get done. So just don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't, don't go at it alone. It... Um, yeah, you will certainly go faster if you if you don't do that. Uh, another thing is going to be treating commitments casually, meaning um, you don't put the time and energy into the things that need the time and the energy, right? So, so you've got to make sure 
that if you have a commitment that you make, especially to your team, right? To your family, all that stuff as well. But really when you make a commitment, make sure you, you put the energy into it behind it. Like just, just make sure you're going after it. And if you're going to make the commitment, make the commitment. Another thing is going to be uh, not taking a stand, right? Not, not taking a stand on things. So, so there's some, so there's certain items that you can kind of go through and go, yeah, you know, I, I'm not passionate about it one way or the other, but there are certain times when you are going to have to say, look, I, I'm committing to a position and, and this is what it is. So, so not taking a stand, especially when it, when it comes to your team, there's, there's just certain things that you're going to have to say, Hey, look, I, I will go to the wall. Uh, I will stand on this hill and die on this hill for this particular thing. Now that's not everything, but don't, don't do that with everything. But there are certain things that you're just going to have to take a stand on and, and be okay with committing to a position and sticking with it. Another big one is going to be tolerating good enough. Oh, I hate that word. Good enough. Good enough for what? So good enough typically is a, if, if you really look at if it's good enough and you're letting your team and you're managing and leading from a good enough standpoint, I will be willing to bet if, if we look over your goals and your standards, they're low. You should always be striving to be better. And I can tell you this, it is easy to run off people when, you're, when your focus is on let's get better. The truth is, yes, you probably will run some team members and some people out of your life. But man, if your objective is to get better and improve and grow as a person, as a human, man, stagnant does not do anything for you. Good enough is just not ever good enough. Now, it could be good enough for now, right? So I'll, I'll give you an example. We have uh, one of our managers of our departments who uh, he had a team member and we had some conversations about it's it's good enough for now, but it can't be good enough next month. Meaning you got what you got for now, but you better be busting it to figure out how to solve that problem to increase and be better by next month. Right? So there's a deadline on it as well. So, so don't tolerate good enough. Don't allow that to be, you know, Oh, you know, at least Jimmy shows up great. Jimmy just showed up, but there's a whole business out there and things we have to do and goals we have to hit and growth and all the things. So I could really go on about that. Conspiring against others is another one. So that, that, that kind of that drive by personal agenda of, uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So-and-so's, you know, the snide comments. It, it is, it is very easy to break down a team when you're not being a team. And honestly, d doing that sort of activity is one of those things that that is going to, is going to just break down, uh, break down the team very, very quickly. Another one is going to be withholding emotional commitment. You know, if, if you've got a personal, uh, uh, I don't, I don't want to say vendetta cause that's not really what I don't mean to that level, but if you have a, a personal issue or a professional issue with somebody, especially that you have to work with on, on an everyday basis, don't withhold emotional commitment because of that. I mean, basically it's emotional blackmail. Don't do it. But this also ties back into the be okay with having the difficult conversations. I'm going to go a little bit off, off topic here, squirrel, but 
if you if you are at a point with with especially one of your team members, so so leaders, if you're at this point with one of your team leaders or with your one of your other leaders or team members, this is the time to sit down and have the difficult conversation. And not only that, whatever you feel so strong about that you're right, guess what? So do they. They also feel like they're that right. And they also feel like you're that wrong. So until you sit down and clear up the air, that is not going to go away. So uh, we could do a whole nother podcast and we probably will at some point on, on that because there, there is some, I believe there's some strategy behind that and some tools that I have that I can, that I can share, uh, not, not on this podcast because we don't have enough time and we want to keep this short and sweet and to the point. Okay. Some other things you're going to be resistant to change, like unwilling to adapt to new ideas and processes. And I was in a leadership meeting a couple of months ago and it was, and we were kind of, we were brainstorming on leadership and some other things. And somebody brought up the point about how valuable curiosity is. They were talking about to a certain position, like they were actually talking about to a dispatcher, which was a fantastic point they were making, but really that's for, for any position, but especially a dispatcher for those of you in the home service space, which is probably the majority of you listening, but not being resistant to change. Things are going to change and you, you have to embrace them. You, you can't go through this automatic uh, motion all the time or all the new things will pass you right by. Um, you see that a lot right now with as AI is rolling out and people are talking about AI and you have this like clash of people. You have people that are really utilizing uh, AI and that new technology and people that are like, no, the robots are taking over the world. I don't know what to tell you. But for me, I think AI is an amazing tool. It is a tool in your toolbox. It's not going to do anything. It's not going to replace you. Not yet. But uh, for now, it's it's a really phenomenal tool. And if you're not using it, you certainly should be. But so leaders who leaders who really resist often fail because they they never see the next thing coming in. Think about the majority the majority of you hanging out with me today. You're in your business, you're using some sort of soft, probably no one's on pen and paper. If you are on pen and paper, please email me or write me a letter and snail mail it to me. You should be on some sort of software, but, but you think about software, they change every five minutes and I don't mean update. Let me say that they update every five minutes. It seems like, so there's, there's constant improvement and things you have to be learning and changes and, and this thing changes and that thing changes. So, so just be okay. Don't be okay with stagnant. Like really as a leader, anyways, you should be going into your business and digging in on a pretty regular basis and asking the question, why do we do it that way? Which here's the thing. If the answer is that's just how we've always done it, you got a problem because the world changes and adapts so quickly that that answer should not ever be okay. Gosh, another topic I could go on a rabbit hole about, but I'm not going to. Another thing is going to be overlooking employee feedback. First of all, ask your team for feedback. Don't be scared. You know, and I think, I think a lot of people uh, subconsciously don't ask for feedback because truly they don't want it. And I don't mean they don't want it because they're not, they're not willing to make the shift. I think they don't ask because they're terrified of what they're going to get back from information. So this is just not your, your employees and your team members. It's customers. Like how many of us truly ask every customer if they're satisfied or do we just kind of send out a link and we're like, man, I hope they give us five stars. 
Boy, I hope they give us five stars. So don't don't overlook feedback, specifically employee feedback from a leadership standpoint. But your team are the ones doing it every day, right? They're on the ground. They're answering the phones. They're turning the wrenches. They're doing all the things. So when it comes to understanding a, a grasp on your business, you've got to make sure and get feedback from the team because, again, they're doing it. They're doing it. So don't, don't overlook that. And listen, there's ways to do it. Cause that's a whole different balance of asking for feedback. And then team members are like, well, I mean, I want to tell him, I want to tell the boss man, but I don't want to get fired for telling the boss man. And right. So you, you are going to have a little bit of that, but there's, there's things like survey monkey now that you can go in. I, I think it's free. If it's not free, it's pretty inexpensive. I, I know we use it in our business and we, we send it out and we're like, Hey, tell us five things, right? Like, what are we crushing? What are we terrible? what needs to be changed they can and they can anonymously give you the information so now as you're reading it you're not like well, that jimmy said that it's none of that you're getting feedback now part of what stinks about this we were just doing this i think it was last month in one of our leadership meetings is is we're reading it and we're like but there's so much more context we want more information so we know how to better how to what are we talking about so that's just part of it right? so some of the things you'll get some of them you won't uh, but you can also send a follow up survey that says, Hey, here was some feedback we got. We want a little clarity. We don't know who it was. So we figure we kick it out to everybody. So yeah, as you're, as you're getting this feedback, so <clears throat> some, some things you want to watch are some things you want to watch. Morale is a big one. The effectiveness, the efficiencies, the business, you, you really want their feedback because at the end of the day, you want a good culture. And the only way to get a good culture is by, is by understanding what's going on. Also, does your team feel like you're micromanaging them? Do they feel like they can trust their leaders? Do they feel like they can go to someone? Do they feel like they're burned out? Do they feel like they could be more productive or they're being asked too much or could they use their you know, creativity to better the business? I mean, there's a thousand things that you can get from seeking feedback. But here's the other big trick. Now, once you have it, you have to do something about it. Because if you, you ask for feedback a couple of times and absolutely nothing happens and nothing changes, that's almost as bad as not ever asking. Actually, I would say it is worse than not asking because <clears throat> now they've told you what it is and you're doing nothing about it. So just because they acknowledge or they say something needs to be changed, there's always that opportunity of, hey, listen, we hear what you're saying. We, this is not something we can do. And obviously it's anonymous. You have to tell the team as a whole, which you should go over this with your team as a whole, but, but now you can give maybe the why behind why you do certain things. Hey, I know that we've never done a good job of explaining the why behind why we do this one thing or why we do this one thing the way we do it, but here's why. Sometimes it's something as simple as, you know, your technology. So the finance company you use or one of the doesn't sync with your computer, or your tablet, and they don't understand why to them. Why don't you just put a button here? But that's not, it's not possible. You can't do that yet, whatever. So just make sure to address it. And then a lot of times that does lead into explaining the why to your team. Me personally, I, I when we explain things, I usually try to give the why behind it because I feel like a lot of times in the, in the, in the world that we live in of the home service space, there's a lot of similarities to a restaurant when it comes to the front of the house and the back of the house, right? So the, the servers in the front of the house are like the technicians, they make all the money and they're, you know, the glitz and glamour, <laughs> 
the glitz and glamour. And then you have the back of the house, which is the cooks, which is really your customer service and your dispatch. They're dealing with the issues and whatever. So uh, a lot of times that'll, that'll shorten that. They think that, you know, dispatch doesn't do anything, but in customer service, but sit in the room and answer the phone and their job is super easy. And they think the technicians don't do anything, but go out there and make a bunch of money. And uh, which by the way, ride alongs are a great way to fill that gap to make sure that they all have mutual respect for each other and each other's team, which is another point, right? You, you want to make sure that everybody understands the why and everybody gets the, uh, what everyone else does from a standpoint of how difficult it is to go into, you know, four different homes, environments, different customers each day and, and how difficult it is to answer the phone and take a phone call from Ms. Jones who's upset because her technician didn't do A, B, and C, and now this customer service person gets to deal with the brunt, the brunt of that customer's frustration. Another thing is the micromanagement side of it, right? Nobody wants to be micromanaged. And I don't even know, I mean, for a lot of people nowadays, I don't think micromanagement is quite as big as it it was a number of years back. I think part of it is because with technology, you can really see what everybody's doing at the click of a button now. And depending on how you set up your business, a lot of times you can really dial in on what's going on uh, without that person even knowing. So maybe that's part of it. I don't know. But but people don't want to be micromanaged and you don't want to spend the effort and the time. Give someone a job, give them a task, and then you have to go through the process of trust, but verify to make sure that it's getting done, that you're giving them enough time, that they don't have, you know, that whole burnout and they're being creative and all, all those things. Another thing is not ignoring the market trends, right? There's things going on right now at the time of this recording, uh, we're in just at the beginning of 2024. There's a lot of, there's a lot of things flying around right now about how 2024 is going to be different than the last couple of years before really from a marketing standpoint, you know, It's going to be more expensive to obtain a customer. Less customers are going to call. You're really going to have to do more with less. Now, nobody's got a crystal ball. No one has any idea if that's actually what's going to happen. But I do think you can't ignore that is a huge blind spot. If you're not at least paying attention to market trends and and keeping keeping an eye on what's happening in your industry and your shifts. A, A perfect example, I was having a conversation the other day with somebody on the team about new refrigerants that are coming out in 2025 and what impact that's going to make on our business. And the conversation was really about, okay, we, we need to, we need to get a basic knowledge and education on it. We need to plan for what that's going to look like, but we don't need to dig in deep yet until quarter four of 2024. Why? Because quarter two and quarter three, that's when we make the hay, right? Is when the sun shines during the summer for the HAC side of the business. So we don't want to put the effort into it. Uh, but but we want to stay on top of the trends. We don't want to start looking at it and understanding it quarter four when you've got holidays and everybody's on vacation and it's hard to, you know, it's hard to get things done during that period of time. So so not ignoring the trends or anything going on in the industry, which, by the way, uh, I, I can assure you we will do a podcast on the new gas because I'm wildly interested in, from my understanding, there's going to be a couple of different ones that are used. I got to tour Daikin Factory I don't know, middle of last year, which by the way, amazing factory. If you, if you get the opportunity to go, uh, go check it out. It's, I, I went to that factory and I came back to our shop. I'm like, why, why, where's our robots? Like, why don't we have, um, we, I mean, we can, you just, you know, they're, they're not cheap. So 
Uh, moving on. And this is going to be the last one I'm going to touch on because I feel like I've gone through a lot of um, blind spots and I want to get a little bit to the cures, but this is a big one. Neglecting personal development. So there's a saying out there. I don't know who said it. And it's the one about the CEO and the CFO talking and uh, they're having a conversation about training and, and they say, well, if we, if we train him and we spend all this money and we invest all this money, what if he leaves and goes somewhere else? That's the CFO, right? And the CEO says, what if we don't train him and he stays? And, th and that's, that's the truth. Uh, as a, as a leader, you should be good with training your people with skills that they get to use the whole rest of their lives. And it's okay. It's just the way it works. For me personally, I've got several people that have worked for me in the past that have gone on to start their own businesses. I think that's awesome. I talk to other owners and they're, they get, they're like, eh, well, but okay. So sometimes it doesn't go the way you want it to go, or maybe it's not a, <clears throat> a real smooth uh, transition. I, I will tell you, I've told my team this for years. If you want to start a business, I will 1000% help you as long as you do it in the correct way. I'm here. And there's a couple people that have worked for me, gone and started their own companies. And I talk to them still today on a regular basis. And I do think it's cool. And when I drive by their truck, I, me personally, I have a little sense of pride of, man, I helped that dude accomplish what his goals were. And that is awesome. So don't ever neglect personal development. Don't ever not train people because you're worried about them leaving. Uh, and, con and honestly, you want them to be better. Just, I mean, yes, you want an ROI on your investment. We're in a business. This is not a not-for-profit. Like when you invest money, you want to get a return, right? And that's fine. But invest in your people and then get an ROI while they're there and just know that the ROI is it's not in perpetuity, right? Like it, it it's going to leave at some point. I mean, I don't, I don't know what the average length of time where people stay with companies anymore, but it's, it's not the 40 years waiting on the gold watch thing that it used to be. And, you know, in, in our space, technicians, they want to go start their own thing. They think because they can turn that wrench, they can start their own business. And there's probably quite a few listening that have been that technician that are like, I've got this entrepreneur seizure. I'm going to go start this. I work for this dude. He's an idiot. I'm going to go do it myself. And then you get two years in and you're like, holy cow, this is crazy. This has nothing to do with the trade that I'm in. Running this business has absolutely nothing to do with that. What have I got myself into? So there you go. So that's, so, so let's talk a little bit about cure. Let's, let's talk more about positive things. Like I feel like we've just, I've beat you down with, uh, with negative things here for a minute. So let's jump in a little bit to cures. And I know we're running a little bit longer on time than, than we normally do, but there's a lot of stuff to unpack here on this blind spot. So, uh, I'm going to keep going and hopefully you'll hang out with me. If not hit pause, here's a couple of things that you can do. One, go get feedback right now. If you are truly listening to this and you're like, man, I really want to know if I got blind spots or not. First of all, the answer is yes. Second of all, if you think you don't, you've got, you've got to, you got to check that ego. Because I'm telling you, if you don't think you have a blind spot, your ego is blocking. Your ego is your blind spot, but it's blocking things going around. So go get feedback right now from your team. Go to SurveyMonkey. I think it's SurveyMonkey.com and pick four or five questions. And if you if you don't know what to ask, send me an email. I, I will be happy to forward you what it is that we use and the questions that we use. I'll be happy to help you. So uh, my email will be at the end of it and in the show notes. 
So the other, so um, that's the first thing. Go get feedback. The next thing is surround yourself with people that think different than you. Like don't surround yourself with people one that are like, yeah, boss, yeah, boss, yep, mm-hmm, yep, yep. Let's do it exactly the way you said it. It's amazing. It's wonderful. Let's do it your way. Don't do that because again, that's a blind spot if you're doing that. But go go get people that think different. People think they look at the world different and you and you have to make a safe enough environment for people to be comfortable to go hey you know what i don't think you're doing that right we we should try it this way and then now a conversation has started just just make sure you get diverse thinkers people that look at and listen you go to your dispatcher they're going to look at things different than your lead technician get them in a room ask them questions let them talk about talk about whatever they got going on problem solution there's there's great things that can happen there Look over your past, right? Look over your past and look at patterns. I don't even mean just, I mean, obviously you can go in your software, you can look at your numbers, numbers don't lie. So you can certainly from, um, from a sales perspective and KPIs, you can look over your numbers, but there's also, there's also the, uh, the part about your team where how often do you have turnover? Is it a certain department that's got the most turnover? It, the one that does have turnover, what is the reason for the turnover? Is there a problem with the leadership of that department? Like there's all these things, but you've really got to dive in deep to what the past is in order to understand patterns. Because once you get the pattern, it is blatantly obvious what's going on. I'm, I'm telling you, that's, uh, that is just, I don't know. That's, that's the way it is. So next thing is going to be to identify triggers. So a trigger could be a couple of different things. So I'll give, I'll give a couple of different examples. Let's say... A certain technician at three o'clock to five thirty, six o'clock, his close rate is, or hers is twenty percent, but before that is eighty percent. Well, that's a trigger that you need to identify. There's a thousand different different ways to do it, but this kind of goes back to identifying your patterns. And then once you find your patterns, you can kind of dial in a little bit to identify what the triggers are. And then again. Success leaves clues. So does, so does not success. It also leaves clues as well. So you can go out and, um, use those tools. Next thing. And last thing. And the biggest thing is going to be seek out an accountability partner from a leadership perspective. You should have a council, a mastermind, uh, a group of people, like-minded people that you meet with. Now you notice earlier, I said, surround yourself by diverse thinkers. It's not, this is different. Your accountability partner is different. Yes, you're all going to think a little bit different, but you all should be about in the same role. So you, you should be in a group of other owners or leaders to, to use for really blind spot accountability, number accountability, every kind of accountability. You think about the uh, what King author and the round table, right? So that, that was like the, not the first mastermind group, but that was a, you know, a mastermind group. Like he had his round table that he would go to whatever, whatever was going on. That was where he went for his, you know, conversations about whatever they talked about at the time. I don't know. So who that was a lot of information. And so again, just to kind of keep this into perspective, it's okay to have blind spots, but it's, it's kind of like driving a car, make adjustments, right? So, so don't just, you go, oh, there's a blind spot. And you just keep driving and driving and driving and not make the adjustments because what's going to happen? You're going to get in an accident. It's the same with leadership. You you have blind spots. I have blind spots. 
Uh, everybody has blind spots, but it takes that consistent, intentional going out and figuring out what they are. And it's identifying them, finding the triggers, seeing the patterns, and then making the adjustments that it, that it, um, that it takes to do it. So, so listen, I, I encourage, I encourage you to check your blind spots in your leadership and your business and your home life, because you, you got them in probably all three of them. Find somebody that can be your accountability partner and really find somebody that can be open and honest. Somebody who's not scared to have a difficult conversation that'll say, Hey man, listen, th this is a blind spot for you. You, you got to fix this. And, and I love feedback. I love feedback. I love helping. That's why I do what I do. So if I can do anything to help you, if you have any questions about what we talked about today, you can hit me up. My email is pretty simple. It's justin at justindeese.com. Super easy. First name at firstnamelastname.com. If you found value in today's episode, make sure to subscribe to the Freedom Blueprint podcast, leave a review, and share with a fellow leader who could benefit from mastering the art of identifying and addressing blind spots. Until next time, keep leadership transforming. This is Justin D. signing off from Freedom Blueprint Podcast. Stay motivated, stay vigilant about your blind spots, and as always, keep crushing it. You've been listening to the Freedom Blueprint Podcast. Information is useless if not applied. So take what you've learned and go and implement it. We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you did, make sure to like, rate, and review. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, find us on social media at Freedom Blueprint for Home Services and hit the website at www.freedomblueprintpodcast.com. See you next time. <laughs>